Good afternoon, good day, good morning, good evening, good whatever it is to all of my listeners out there on Educators Legacy. My name is Mary Smith. I'm with Educational Leadership Consultants. I am super, super excited that you're joining me today to hear this amazing recording from my friend, Anna Lara. Now, we did hear from Anna's husband a couple of weeks ago. His name was Juan, and he is a he was a school counselor, but this time we're talking to Anna. And their backgrounds, even though they're married, their backgrounds are really different. Um, Juan came from a background of educators, and Anna, I believe, did not. But mm-hmm. she has also spent her entire life in education. Um, she started out as a first and fifth grade bilingual teacher. She became a bilingual liaison between the district and the campus. She moved up from assistant principal to principal to district textbook coordinator. Then she became the assistant director of special programs for bilingual and ESL, a federal program director. And then she went on and even became an independent uh, consultant for various agencies that advocate for bilingual education because it's so near and dear to her heart. All of her experience is in mixture of public and public charter schools. And so she's got a really varied background and a unique set of experiences that make her an amazing choice of interview today. So Anna, I am super, super excited to welcome you to An Educator's Legacy. Well, thank you, Mary. Thank you for inviting me to be part of your program. Oh, you're certainly welcome. Okay, so Anna, here's the burning question. And the reason we do An Educator's Legacy is to find out why did you choose to become an educator? I chose to become an educator because I was influenced by an awesome third grade teacher. She was the type of teacher that taught hands-on and gave meaning to all her lessons. Everything that she did, I guess it didn't matter what language you spoke, uh, she would have been, you would have been able to catch it because she was so, um, I don't know, unique in the way she taught and it was just easy to pick up. I want to mention that I had started school at kindergarten at the time when I started school and went to summer school. And um, I only spoke Spanish because at home we only spoke Spanish. Even though my parents went to school in the United States, they um, only spoke Spanish to us at home. I went to a Catholic school for the first two years. And uh, I was, I had a, a horrible time during that time because of the fact that I only spoke Spanish. And uh, the nuns, actually, I have a vivid picture of this when it happened. They actually came to the to my house and talked to my parents and told them they needed to stop speaking Spanish to us at home since I was the oldest of seven. And uh, so they did. They stopped speaking Spanish and only spoke English to us. When I decided I wanted to be a teacher in third grade, <laughs> I was just thinking of being a teacher, a regular teacher. But as I went through the school system and started getting ready to college, go to college and uh, junior college that I went to first, I realized there was a program for bilingual teachers. And so I decided that that's the road I wanted to go because I wanted to help the second language children that were Spanish speaking, but not just bilingual, but also ESL because we had so many other children coming from outside the country that did not have English also. That's crazy. The nuns went to your house and said you're not allowed to speak English or Spanish anymore. Yes. My mother went to school at that at that um, Catholic school. And so they knew her. (laughs) And my dad went to Catholic Uh, school, too. So they knew both my parents. And so for them not to be speaking English to us at home, uh, they were just it was just not not going to be accepted. (laughs) Wow. 
But I remember getting hit in my hands because I spoke Spanish. Uh, remember being separated from one other little girl that was, as a matter of fact, I still know her. And every once in a while, when I go to Victoria, I see her, uh, that we were the only two that didn't speak any English at all. And we would try to get together at noon at recess time. And I'll be dang it. They didn't find us and they would separate us. And they would huh. take one end of the playground to the other and we couldn't play. Wow. It was, it was a horrible experience. <laughs> And I used my little Spanish speakers in just the opposite way because yeah. I didn't speak Spanish, you know, so I'd pair them up with someone who did so that exactly. they could kind of understand what was going on and start learning English and kind right. of hear what I'm saying and used them as a translator. I mean, it was completely different. Exactly. I had a second grade teacher also. That was awesome. Um, I, um, I think all through school, all through high school, I had really great teachers, but my second grade teacher, Miss Style, I remember when I started school there, she, she paired me up with the African-American young lady, uh, and, uh, which up to now, we still are friends. Uh, and that was the best thing she could have done. She did exactly what you do. You know, she paired me up with her with the English and I excelled, I excelled in the English. So by third right. grade, I was doing great and on up, I did awesome. Wow. Um, just want to mention too, that I was a Spanish speaker when I was in school, when I first started school. And so that year was a, a year that I was uh, better understanding English and with her teaching the way she did, I believe was what was one of the reasons of my success in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Because, it, you know, when you have those amazing teachers that do, that make learning fun and that really connect with you, it really does change the trajectory of your life. Because you yes. didn't come from an educational background in your family, did you? No, I was uh, um, one of seven children, and uh, my parents were not educated. My mom had a sixth grade uh, education. My dad had a ninth grade education. But I also want to mention that I feel like I was a teacher since I was seven or eight years old. Uh, because of that teacher and because I had siblings, uh, I used to get in the washroom area where my parents had their washer and dryer and I had a table and a chalkboard and I would be teaching my, my siblings. Oh, <laughs> uh, is that right? Yes. As a very, very young, at a very young age. You were it playing was, school. Yes. I was playing school. Very young. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So when thinking about your career, where do you think you've had the greatest impact? Because you've had a diverse background of different skills and worked in all areas of education. So where do you think your biggest impact has been? My biggest impact, I feel, is as a principal. I was able to not only manage the school, but have a, a big uh, part of teachers and training them and developing them. And uh, parents also being able to get involved with them and their, their situations and their everyday life and the situation at, at school and how I could bring them together and to help them help their children. Uh, uh, provided a lot of parent involvement uh, programs for teachers, for the parents, and of course, training for teachers. And I myself did a lot of training for them also. But I think it's a principle because you, you don't just touch one part of education, you touch children, teachers, parents, and everyone else that you come through with uh, in, a, in a campus. Yeah, you and you, including your community. Yeah, and the community especially. Right. <laughs> the community, yes. You have to get to know your community as a principal. Right. Now, didn't you find, I mean, because to me, 
you know, I, my entire career, because I'm so strong personality and I kept having people say, you need to become a principal. You need to become an AP or something. It was like, why on earth would I want to do that? That job's harder than teaching. I mean, no, I had no desire to ever be an AP or a principal because to me, it looked like all you did was manage behavior, whether it be student or teacher, because it was both. Right. You know, and put out fires. Well, that was a big part of it, <laughs> but um, but it's it's uh, it was different, I think, in why I wanted to be a principal, and it had a lot to do with the fact that when I worked at my first district, it was uh, pre- preliminary, prelim- well, mainly English speaking people, right? Okay. And so the campus that I was at the bilingual campus, the campus that I was at was bilingual, but it only had like one or two teachers per grade level. And so a lot of the parents would come in wanting to, you know, get talk to the principal or talk to the teacher or just communicating with someone in the school. And they weren't allowed to. To be honest with you, what I wanted to do, and, and not just teaching, but I wanted to be a librarian. And really? I, yes, that was my first love, library. <laughs> huh. And what, what changed my mind was the fact that I saw this injustice with the parents and when there were arts, there was no one to speak Spanish for them. And there was, it was just a lot of obstacles that the parents had to deal with when they were there. And that's what made me want to become a principal because that's not the first thing I wanted to do in my life. <laughs> it was teaching, you know, and then library. Yeah. But life takes you in a different route sometimes. And you have to listen to what God's telling you and you have to follow that, follow that, uh, that road, you know? Yeah. You're the second person this week that says, I did not set out to be a principal. I did not. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, that it just is a path you ended up following and you ended up seeing that that was the direction you needed to take when you realized that the bilingual parents weren't getting the voice that they needed in the, in the system. Exactly. And so when you became principal, what did you do to make sure that they got that voice? I was there for them in the community. I didn't only, uh, I wasn't only a principal at my campus. I did get involved with the community. I went out and recruited students because I was at a charter school at that time when I was mm-hmm. a principal. I went into community uh, daycares. I went into the churches. Uh, the um, Didn't matter what denomination the church were because <laughs> we're public, right? Right. And uh, I went into um, informing parents about charter schools and about uh, our campuses and uh, to just anything in the community that uh, some type of a festival they were having. So I was in the community walking or, or in a function of, of some event or something at all times. Yeah. So, yeah. The, you, so you were deeply immersed in, in your, um, your ideal clientele is what you were yeah. looking for. Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure that made a difference to a lot of parents because imagine I mean, in this day and age, it's hard to believe that um, people may not have a voice. Oh, yeah. But I'm sure it still happens and we are not even aware of it. Right. No, you have to you have to be able to assist these parents when they need the help. And that's one of the things I'm passionate about is parent education. But um, when I worked as a consultant, also, uh, I, I was part of a program for parent advocacy also. And uh, I mean, they were both the agencies I work with were advocates of, of uh, bilingual education, but this particular program I was in, I was involved in a, 
early childhood program and uh, training parents. And you know, one of the things that I found is that in this day and time, and this must have been about, I guess not even 10 years ago, maybe eight years ago or so, I still found parents that were illiterate. Is that right? And that was the most shocking thing that I have ever run into my career is to really realize that there's people out there that are still illiterate, mm. you know? That's sad, mm -hmm. you know? And you did allude to your pat that you have a passion for parents and ha giving them a voice and, and um, being an advocate for them. Can you, yeah. is that your greatest passion? Is that what you're most passionate about? Educating parents is one of my biggest passions uh, uh, that I do have in education, but also mentoring teachers. You know, they come in brand new to the teaching. When they come in brand new to the teaching profession, they need a lot of support. And uh, lucky, I, luckily, I was able to give them support. But I like a lot of um, to be involved with training teachers, mentoring them, and the, and the parents, educating parents. Parents, uh, to me, it's a very, very important uh, um, aspect of making them feel comfortable to be able to be involved in the schools and to uh, help their children. Because if you don't teach them how to help their children, they're just not going to do it. And yeah. to tell them they are to be invited. Because sometimes if you don't invite a parent, if you just send these notes home all the time, and that's one of the things I used to harp on my teachers all the time is we can't just send them the notes and expect them to come. You need to call them and invite them. You know, as an assistant, ah. as an assistant principal, I call parents. And that was something that they were just shocked at. The assistant principal is calling me. What did my son do? You know, right? <laughs> no, they didn't do anything. I'm inviting you because we have a function this week, you know, and I want to make sure that you're coming. So you have to invite them. You have to personally get involved with them, not just send a little note home every other time. And now it's the phone or or it's an email, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I really like that you brought that up, though, Anna, because I think that a lot of times, um, educators, whether they be an AP, a teacher or a principal, feel so overwhelmed. It's like, I don't have time to call and exactly. invite parents. Exactly. But that's building that relationship and it's building your connection with your students and their families. Right. You know, with Title I working in federal programs, uh, one of the uh, requirements from the federal government is that you have to have parent engagement and parent involvement. And having to teach principals and teachers about the difference between involvement and engagement, what's a chore? Because oh, for, yeah. some reason, <laughs> for some reason, they just didn't see it, that you have to get personally involved with them or, uh, or, or to bring them in to invite them and teach them how to help their children, not just, like I said, send something home to help the child with, period. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. That's a really good point. So that means that you spend a lot of time outside of the educational building, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, working and developing those relationships and building those connections. So right. how did education affect your life personally outside? I mean, professionally, you, you really excelled and you, you went up the ladder and you've had a lot of positions of authority, but how did it affect your life personally? Personally, it had a, a, a big impact in my life. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I think I mentioned earlier, uh, that my parents had a sixth grade and a ninth grade education. Uh, so they didn't graduate. And I was the first to go to college in my family. And uh, as of now, I have only have one brother that also went to college. And as far as siblings, and of course, all my children went through, went through college and graduated. When, when I was a, a, a young child, I remember fifth grade, okay? 
my mother, even though she spoke English, uh, I guess for some reason, uh, she didn't feel comfortable going to the school. And I was in fifth grade, and I'd go with her to conferences and help her. Oh, and really? my mother could speak English. She could speak English. But for some reason, I don't know why she didn't feel comfortable in the school, but having to, to know the fact that my mother, and even when my, my brother graduated in his uh, top uh, five of his class in high school, my younger brother, one of my younger brothers, and they didn't know that my mother was their, his mother because my sister, one of my sisters that lived in Victoria was the one that uh, went to his conferences, conferences and went to all his football games, went to all his activities. And, you know, and even when I wanted to become a teacher, my mother would say to me, you need to stay home and take care of those babies. You don't need to be getting an education to go be a teacher. The kids need you. Okay. And so it was, it was just her not having the, what do I want to say? The background? Confidence, maybe. Was it confidence? Maybe. It could be confidence or just background and knowledge yeah. of, of what I could do and what I was capable of doing and that my job wasn't just being a mom that I could do both and more. Yeah. So I don't know, but it was, it brought a sadness to me, but it also encouraged me to continue to, you know, be able to do the best that I could as a parent, uh, sister and, you know, uncle, aunt, because I, I, I help my, my uh, siblings, kids. And, you know, when they have questions about education or they want to go to college or my brother wanted to join the military and, you know, God bless all our military people. And, you know, I give them thanks and praise and, and, and pray that God is with them at all times. But my brother graduated in the top 10 of his college, of, of school, high school. And he wanted to go into service because my parents weren't going to be able to afford an education for him. And he wanted to go to college. And mm -hmm. I, I, when, when I found out he was going to be signing that paper, because I lived in Houston, he lived in Victoria, I, I did not go to work the next day. I went home to go see him, and I said, no, where do you want to go to school? Let's go fill out this paperwork, you know? So it has affected me in many, many different ways, you know, to help my family, to help me personally, to, to show my mom that I could do more than one thing, you know, or, or to be able to be a good parent, and along with that, you know, be a good, a good uh, teacher, and so it, it just, um, it, it has been a, a journey, a great journey. Well, and it sounds to Anna, like you spent a lot of time educating your own family. Yes, I did. You know, about how to navigate the system and how, yeah. um, just expanding your horizons and what, what you're capable of doing, what your siblings were capable of doing. I'm not sure if, and I'm, you know, I might be speaking out of turn here and, and speaking a bias that I have, um, but it may, maybe some of that was cultural and generational, you know, oh, to where it it's not generational now, but oh, no. back then, is that true? Yes, I would agree with you. I would agree because even my grandmother, my grandmother had children uh, close to our ages, my brother and my, and myself's age, uh, which were only, I had an uncle that was only a year and a half older than me and an aunt that was a year and a half younger than me, oh, you wow. know? So uh, she never went to the school, never went to the school. And I think uh, because my mother dropped out of school at such a young age, you know, that, that um, I think that was um, something that was maybe kept her from going to school. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, honestly, if I hadn't, if I had not spent much time in a school and dropped out at sixth grade, why on earth would I want to go back? Well, I wouldn't understand, number one. Yeah, I mean, it would be uncomfortable. I want to add something here also uh, with the um, 
the personal life on there. I did not graduate high school. I dropped out of high school. I was one of those statistics that got pregnant and uh, dropped out of school. And you know what was funny at that time? And I, I work with parents that I've also, under the different agencies that I've worked with, I've worked with the courts, with children and parents that um, do not go to school all the time. You know, they, they uh, skip out a lot or whatever and yeah. trying to help them stay in school because no one, no one came knocking at my door, you know, to come back to school and that I could have gone to some place and had my baby and then returned back to campus or no one came knocking at my door. I had uh, two teachers come to my wedding to ask me to come back to school, but I, I was embarrassed then and I didn't go back. So if you really think about it, I was going in the same direction my mother maybe, you know, and that was another driving force that I had ones that I, um, because one of the things that I've always had as priority was, was um, education. I love to read all the time. And that was why I wanted to be a librarian. Yeah. And, uh, I, I helped out in the elementary library. I helped out in the junior high library. You know, I was uh, on uh, clubs at school. Uh, I was officers of the eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, uh, future teachers of America, you name it. I was very, very much involved in school. So having dropped out at an early age, uh, and gotten pregnant was a shock to a lot of my teachers. Yeah. <laughs> was, and and that, that I think that made me also worked harder to, yeah. to do, to, to really meet my goal that I had already made for myself. Well, and you know what, that experience in itself and having no support, it sounds like it was a driver to keep it from happening to anyone else. And that's one of the reasons why I love working with parents. In all aspects, you know, uh, not just in the campus, but in the community. And that 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 one program I work with the courthouse where, you know, parents have to go to a training class after their kids, you know, are not in school all the time or they go yeah. to jail. To pay. That was one of the one of the most interesting courses I've ever taken and I've, I've, I've given. And uh, the parents got a lot out of it. And so did the children. Yeah, it, really helped. it made it more personal. Yeah. And it, well, and also, Anna, just that um, experience, you understand how people feel, whereas um, a lot of people don't have that ability to relate to circumstances. That's true. You know, yeah, experiences in your life will help you in the future. Definitely. Yeah, that's the truth. OK, so Anna, what would you like people to say when they hear your name? Well, definitely that I was a good person. Okay. <laughs> I was a go-getter. Uh family was first. It came first in my life. It had always, has always come first in my life. Um, I cared a lot about my career and my education and how I was able to reach so many people, you know, children, parents, community, uh, teachers. And, um, uh, you know, family is, has always been number one for me. And uh, as a matter of fact, I want to just add that I have just recently uh, quit working. I didn't quit to retire. I just quit working because I have a daughter that just had a baby and back in June. And that and baby is so stinking cute. <laughs> he is, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he's precious. <laughs> and uh, she is um, a counselor and uh, she has a business and that she's uh, working on and growing and it's growing tremendously. And her hours are from 10 to eight or nine. And when, when she went back to work after having him, we were having like seven babysitters. And oh. I said, 
there's no way. You know, life is short. I lost my mom at 59, my dad at 65. And I said, priority is the baby and yeah. family. My family has always been first. And so I am enjoying it and loving it. And I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to go back for two more years that I need to do for retirement, but <laughs> I'm going to do what I need to do now. That's good, Anna. You've made a really good choice. And I know that's a hard choice, especially when you're only two years out for oh, retirement. Yeah. Yes. But in the long run, the money doesn't matter. What matters is no. the person. And, you know, one of the things I told my bosses, because when I met with them about leaving, because it wasn't expected to them, it was that, you know, who, who on their deathbed is saying, I wish I would have worked more. Right. Who? Nobody. You know, no. I wish I would have had more time with my family and family is first and this is what's going to be done. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Family does come first. And I'm glad to hear that that you've made a, a choice to help support Jeanette because she really is doing good work. Y'all doing awesome work. Yeah. Yeah. And her practice is called holistic. What's it called Anna? holistic, positive, positive soul, positive soul, holistic, holistic therapy. therapy. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's located in San Antonio. So if you would like a counselor, you know, remember I told you, you could get a hold of Juan. Um, or you can talk to Jeanette. She's younger. I mean, if you want to connect yeah. to a younger person, That's Jeanette's your girl. Had, and that she's also on psychology today, I believe. Ah, okay, good. Just mm -hmm. like Juan is. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what legacy do you want to leave behind, Anna? That's your last question. What legacy would you like to leave behind after you're done and gone for all of this? What is it that you want to leave behind for everyone to remember you by? For them to know that family came first and that I, I loved education and I loved working with the community, the parents and teachers and students. Yeah. Well, and that, that I can attest to personally, folks, because I have seen on in the classroom and I know where her heart lies. Yes. So, yes, yes, you have, you have created that legacy behind you, Anna. Thank you for all the great work that you've done. I really Thank appreciate you. it. And I know others do too. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today, guys, for An Educator's Legacy. Our guest today was uh, Miss Anna Lira. If you um, would like to contact her, please get my, go to my um, podcast page. And in the show notes, We'll put some contact information in case you need a consultant or something. Anna, are you available to consult? Well, I'm pretty busy with the baby, but I can always fix out, uh, work out a schedule. <laughs> okay. All right. So she is open, but it will be very, very limited in what she's willing to do because she <laughs> has her priorities in, in line. And right now, priority number one is that grandbaby of hers. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So... Anyway, guys, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being part of our listenership. Um, bilingual education is such a big deal for so many students, guys. There is no reason that we should not have an equal education for everybody who lives in the United States of America. So, and Anna has advocated for her students, well, as long as I've known her, which has been good grief. It's been, what, oh, 25, wow. 30 years? At least. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> that's... Me count. And, and so, I mean, that's where she's always spent her time is making sure that her, that, that people have a voice and that they are able to get the education that they deserve. So Anna, thank you. Thank you for listening people. And we will tune in the next time. We'll talk to you later.
Oh, thank you.